And I believe God will make his word very clear to us this morning. And it will bless and refresh us in the most amazing ways. Let us pray. Father, we thank you this morning for your word coming expressly to us this morning. May it touch us and bless us. May there be a refreshing, a fresh oil poured upon each and every one of us. May our hearts be filled with light as a result of your word this morning. Thank you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, so this morning, I would like to say, as we begin, that uh, this is our year of the overflow. No matter what the news flying around is, uh, we know that the devil is fighting a lost battle and that we have overcome him already. The Bible says we overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, by the words of our testimony. Our testimony is that the Lord reigns over the earth, over this nation, and we have victory over the enemies. We are the salt of this nation, and it is our place to sweeten it with our words, and we will not relent at doing so. Amen. Hallelujah. So it is our year of the overflow. So expect to see the overflow in every area of our lives, in our church, in our families, in our finances, in our spiritual lives, in our health, in our businesses, in our jobs and vocations, in our careers, and so on and so forth. As we expect an experience overflow, I would like us to revisit or to take a look at the place of worship. Let's take a look at worship together and uh, try to see how it relates to our expectations and experience of the overflow. Let's begin by opening our Bibles to the book of Revelation. Revelation 4, verse 11. Revelation 4, verse 11. It says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou art created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. See, towards the end of that verse, you see it written, uh, the phrase, for thy pleasure. The Bible says we were created for God's pleasure, for his enjoyment. God made you just to enjoy you. God planned, he planned you for this purpose, to bring him pleasure. He made you in his image to derive pleasure by beholding you. He intended that all you do should bring him pleasure. Isn't that just wonderful? You know, a number of us are parents and I know how much we just love to watch and derive pleasure by just looking at our children, seeing them grow into fine young men and women, providing the pathway for their development and their success. So also it is with God. He wants you to bring in pleasure. And you know what? We are the only ones that can actually do that. Animals cannot please him. Trees and mountains cannot. In fact, he created those things 
just so we can have a variety of ways to give him pleasure. He did all that to show his love for us, and he expects us to love him back in return. In Matthew 22, when somebody asked Jesus what the greatest command was, he responded to him in verse 37. Let's open Matthew 22, verse 37. He says, Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. This has always been the command right from time. The same thing is recorded in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 6 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give to you today are to be in your heart. Notice how it says to be in your heart. We'll come back to that later. So God is saying that our number one purpose in life is to learn to love him. He has shown us his love and he wants us to know and love him back. There is a familiar word for all of this. A word we all have used in different forms. It's called worship. This is an English word, which in my opinion, does not capture the essence of what we're trying to say this morning. If I ask us one by one what the word worship meant to us, we would give different answers. To some, it may mean uh, prayer time, you know. To others, it may denote a time of special praise, singing and thanksgiving. While others may think it is the time that we gather in church as a congregation of God's people. The truth is that we may not be able to separate all of this from a workable definition of worship. However, worship is far, far more than all of this. Worship is our first purpose in life. It is your primary objective. It's your highest priority. It is your number one purpose in life. So what actually is worship? What does it entail? Why is it the primary duty of a believer in his or our personal relationship with God? One of the scriptures that may help us to grasp a full understanding of worship in this regard is Romans 12.1. Let's open to Romans 12.1. says, because of God's great mercy to us, offer yourself as a living sacrifice to God, dedicated to his service and pleasing him, pleasing to him. This is a true worship that you should offer. Here's how the message translation puts it. It says, so here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best, best thing you can do for him. Let's dig a little bit around this verse. Two things are quite obvious and noteworthy here about worship. Number one, worship is the natural response of a believer to God's love. Worship is just the way we react, the way we respond to God because he loves us. Worship is a believer's culture. It is a culture we must imbibe and it is how we respond to his love. That's what worship is. 
Notice it says, because, because of God's great mercy, his love to us, then we worship him in response. God always takes the initiative. He always makes the first move. God doesn't ever ask you to make the first move. He always makes the first move and it is evident for all to see. To see. He gave Jesus to die for us. He says in his word, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, have I drawn thee. He created us. He rescued us from the dominion of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. So our natural response is worship. Our reaction to him 24-7 is worship. We react by the acknowledgement of all that he has done. The acknowledgement of his forgiveness, his blessings, his protection, his healing, his provision, and every other that is contained in his love for us. Because of all this, we respond in worship. Secondly, worship is giving back to God. He gives to us, and we give back to him. Whenever you give back to God, whenever you offer anything to God, it's called worship. And that brings pleasure to God. It brings enjoyment to God. When you are grateful to the Heavenly Father, it brings pleasure to Him. He delights in our praises. He finds pleasure in our worship. There's one issue I'd like us to quickly address as we move on. The question of, am I offering enough to God? How much do you give to God who has everything? You think that you have a hard time finding a present for your loved ones on their birthdays or on their special occasions. Ever wondered if your worship is enough for God? What do you give to him in your worship? Well, you see those two components, worship being a natural response to God's love and worship being giving back to God. Uh, they are both an act of love. Worship is simply loving God. You give him your love. He wants your love. He wants to be loved and he's very specific about how to give that love to him. It is clearly stated in what we read earlier in Matthew 22, verse 7 and Deuteronomy 6, 4. And here it is again in Mark 12, 30. Mark 12, 30 says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul, all your mind and all your strength. Now let's break this down a little now, if you see, if you look at it closely, you could see three distinct ways God wants us to demonstrate our love for him with all your mind, meaning in your thoughts, thoughtfully, with all your heart and your soul, meaning in your spirit, in the spirit, and passionately, and with all your strength. It means practically. You know, in all of this, you could see that worship is active and not passive. That's why people sometimes call it the act of worship. It requires full participation of all your being, your spirit, soul, and body. So, number one, God wants you to love him with your mind. Worship is focusing your attention on God. He wants us to keep him in our thoughts. It gives him pleasure when you consider his goodness and mercy in your thoughts when you are not preoccupied with the mundane things of this world, like uh, who's a consensus candidate for APC, or who is winning between Russia and Ukraine. When you think of, of him, you see 
his might and his wondrous acts in your mind. You consider it. You ruminate over it. That is when you can adequately ascribe greatness to him, who is the rock of your salvation. That is when it becomes more real to you as a God of faithfulness, a God of justice, the one who is good and upright. He loves for you to think of him because it is an act of love, an act of worship. After all, he knows our hearts. He knows our thoughts. Psalms 139, 1-3 says, You have looked deep into my heart, Lord, and you know all about me. You know when I am resting or when I am walking. You know everything I do and everywhere I go. Romans 8, 7 says, Focusing on yourself is the opposite of focusing on God. Anyone completely absorbed in self ignores God and ends up thinking more about self than God. Focus on him and not on your worries, your doubts. There isn't a better time for revelation to flow than when you are focused on God. No better place for an exchange to happen from God to you as you focus on him in worship. To worship God with all your mind is to deliberately exclude distractions and to just shift your gaze to him. Drown the noise of this world with a deliberate focus on the goodness of God with a heart of thanksgiving. There is no better place to experience peace than when your thoughts are completely focused on him in adoration. Bible says in Isaiah 26, 3, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, whose thoughts are fixed on you. Glory to God. Two, God wants you to love him with all your heart and soul. Worship is an expression of your affection to God. The expression of your love to God must be passionate, deep from within your soul, aided by your spirit, firmly connected to the Holy Spirit. He is the lover of your soul. He loves you and he wants you to express your love back to him. Revel in his love with reckless abandon. Dance before him. Make a joyful noise. Sing his praise with your mouth. Don't let anyone outpraise you. Worship him in spirit and in truth because it is a place of exchange. John 4.23 says, Yet a time is coming and has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. Make that connection in the spirit and let there be an outward expression of a grateful heart in your physical elements. Don't come holding back on him. Come with your fears, you know, worship in spite of that weakness that you feel. Worship him even if that sickness is still there or if that financial need still nudges at you. Let your worship be complete. Express, express your love to him because he is the lover of your soul. Let me quickly say here that worship triggers the overflow. It is what ushers in the overflow. This is because it is read in our favor. Worship is designed to favor us. It is a place where weakness is exchanged for strength. See what the Bible says in Isaiah 40, 29. It says, he giveth power to the faint. 
and to them that have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. The Bible says he makes his strength perfect in our weaknesses. You know, in our prayer this morning, Sister Oluwala prayer led us to pray and to wait on God for the renewal of strength. So why don't you wait on him in worship? Magnify his holy name in spite of all these challenges, in spite of the weaknesses. Because as you worship him, he is magnified. And those problems become smaller until they vanish completely. And ease that man cannot provide his provision for you in the place of worship. Or shine the overflow by lavishing your love on God. Worship him in spirit and in truth. Let him hear you express yourself in worship. Magnify and let your soul soar on the wings of the spirit in honor of him alone. Let him know how grateful you are. Psalms 103 says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless him, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgiveth all thy iniquities, and he led all thy diseases. Who redeemed thy life from destruction. Who crowned thee with, with loving kindness and tender mercies. Who satisfied thy mouth with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Three, God wants you to love him with all your strength. Worship is using your abilities and your enablements for God. Let's revisit that Romans 12 in the message translation. The second part of verse 1. It says, take your everyday ordinary life. Your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life. And place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God for you is the best thing you can do for him. You know, the first place the word worship appears in the Bible is in Genesis 22, 5, uh, where Abraham took Isaac to sacrifice him to God. Let's open it. Genesis 22, 5. It says, and Abraham said unto his young men, this was when he was talking to his servants who, who accompanied them uh, to wait. He says, and Abraham said unto his young men, abide here with the, with, the, with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come back again to you. The word worship used there means to give all I have, to give, to give all you have willingly without holding back. Abraham understood the nature of God and his love for him. He was willing to give all, all he had to God. No wonder he's called the father of faith. Employ your talents, your time, your abilities, your money in the service of God. Do it willingly as an act of worship. Present it as a sweet-smelling savour unto him. Do it willingly with a singular purpose, to please him. Colossians 3.23 says, And whatsoever ye do, do it utterly as unto the Lord, and not unto men. The Bible says, 
you were planned for God's pleasure. You were made to know and to love God. I want to challenge us this morning to make it our number one goal in life before everything else. Getting to know God more and to love him because that brings him pleasure. You see, we should make it our goal to please him. Worship is a vital part of a believer's everyday life and living. Worship is to desire him above all else. It is a daily confession that he alone is the object of our desire and affection. It's a combination or, if you like, a mixture of adoration, dependence, reliance, trust, hope, all together in a singular act. It is a multifaceted emotional expression that should involve every part of a believer's being, your spirit, your soul, and your body. True worship is a sacrifice made with the heart, soul, mind, and strength. In loving recognition and acknowledgement of God's glory and love. So this morning, as we step out, let's do what's written in Psalms 29.2. Let's open it as we close. Psalms 29.2. It says, give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Approach him in reverence and worship. Don't come casually because God, the beauty of holiness is that place where the worshiper meets the worship face to face, where the worshiper is equally lifted as it lifts up the master. It is a place of exchange, a place where you let go where the lover of your soul awaits your sincerest and truest praise, where worship is true and in the spirit. Worship is ultimately for our benefit. Jesus invites us to explore the depth of his love through worship because worship unleashes all of heaven's arsenal on our behalf. Remember, he delights in the praises of his people and also he takes pleasure in our prosperity.